Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Habits. In this series, we are focusing on habits that we can implement into our routine that bring focus and health into our spiritual, emotional, and physical lives. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. My best friend and I were sitting on the back row of uh, church on a Sunday morning. Uh, it wasn't uh, probably the best idea, a best decision that our parents had because we were uh, teenagers, but they probably thought, well, at least our, our sons are in church. Um, we stood up and we sat down at the right times. We, uh, we uh, sang the songs and prayed the prayers at the right time, um, but I'm not really sure we were paying attention. At least I can tell you I really wasn't. But on one particular Sunday morning, my friend was paying attention. And after church, we, we hopped into his car. It was his pride and joy, a 1970 Plymouth uh, Barracuda. And we, we headed to lunch. Uh, I was thinking about food, but he wasn't. Um, he was still thinking about church. He was still thinking about the message that the pastor had given that day. And my friend said to me, do, do you remember when the pastor said that if you give more time and attention to anything, more than you give time and attention to God, then that thing could be a false idol in your life because you're worshiping that thing more than you're worshiping God? I said, nope, <laughs> I didn't remember it. He said, do you know how much time I spend on this car? Washing it, cleaning it, waxing it. He said, I, I spend a lot more time with this car than I ever spend with God or thinking about God. He said, I, uh, this car is my idol. It's a pretty deep conversation for a couple of teenage boys to have. And, and, and it's still one that I remember to this day, some 40 years later. You see, how we spend our time says a lot about what we worship. Today, we're talking about the habit of worship. We're in this series called Habits, uh, you know, making choices in a busy life. And, and a simple definition for the word worship is this. It's attributing worth to something. Worship is attributing worth. So whatever you attribute worth to, you could be worshiping it. So in a Christian context, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, look, we want to worship Jesus. We want to tribute worth to him. We want to tribute worth to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now listen, um, I know in, in, in the church world uh, that this can get a little confusing because we tend in the church world, in, in Christian context, to talk about worship happening in a certain place, a church, at a certain time of the day, on a certain day. And, and to narrow that definition even more, we tend to say worship was what just took place up here. The, the singing the songs together and, and praying of words together. And, you know, when you take that into account with that teenage conversation that I had so many years ago, that whatever we spend more time on than God is idolatry, it can get a little confusing. Because, look, you know, on the average week, 
if we go by what I just said, we spend roughly 30 minutes, uh, you know, singing songs together and praying prayers together. And, and that can be problematic when you think about this idea that is time spent on something worship. I mean, how much time do you spend in your bed? Do you worship your bed? No. I mean, some of us like to sleep, but um, think about that. How much time do you spend at work? You, you know, uh, the, the average uh, person uh, in a study I read spends uh, uh, almost uh, 45 hours a week at work. Now, here's some good news. If you do what the ADA says, the American Dental Association, uh, brush twice a day for two minutes at a time, that's only going to be 28 uh, minutes a week. All right, so that's going to be less than uh, the 30 minutes if that's what you define worship as. All right, but let's expand our definition of worship today. Because singing and praying are acts of worship, but they're not the only acts of worship. They're not the only way that we worship. They're not the only way that we attribute worth to God. So here's the big idea that I want us to look at today. Followers of Christ attribute worth to God by how they live their lives. If you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, you attribute worth to God. You worship God by how you live your life. Let's look at this verse from Romans chapter 12, okay? Paul writes, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We worship God because of who God is and because of what God has done. And did you notice that that verse tells us who God is and, and what God's done? It tells us that God is merciful and that God pours out his mercy on us. After Paul tells us the reason we should worship God, he gives us three important truths about how we should be worshipers. And I, I want to share those with you today, straight out of those scriptures. Here's the first thing. Worship is living your life for God. Worship is living your life for God. I appreciate Pastor Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible. In this verse from Romans chapter 12, the first verse, when you read it, it really helps us grasp what the Apostle Paul was saying. So, so let, let's read it here. He says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Now, isn't that helpful? Worship isn't just an hour or so on Sunday morning. Worship isn't just singing and praying. Worship is living your life, every part of your life, for God. That means you can worship God, as he says, in your ordinary life. You can worship God in your sleeping, in your eating, in your going to work, in your working, in your walking around life, in, in everything you do. You see, the, the habit of worship is living all of your life as an offering to God. It's recognizing that what you 
do can be done in a way that honors God. It's owning the reality that what you say can be spoken in a way that is glorifying to God. It's making all of our life an offering to God. So is your life God-honoring and glorifying at home, at school, at work, in the neighborhood, in your family, with your friends? But Paul doesn't stay in that generality. He gets more specific, okay? The next thing that I want us to see out of this passage from Paul is this. Worship is living a holy and God-pleasing life. All right. Scholars write about uh, worship. They, they talk about these passages and they said, you know, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, worship always involved a sacrifice. All right. When uh, God told Abraham to go up and worship him on a mountain, he went up prepared to make a sacrifice. When the Israelites went to the tabernacle and then to the temple, they went with animals to make a sacrifice. Animals that were killed and the, and the animals would be burned as an offering to God, as a, as a sacrifice to Him. It was this idea, but, but in the, under the new covenant, under Jesus, in the New Testament, we see that Jesus was the final sacrifice to pay for the, the sins of the world. So look, we, uh, the, uh, in the Old Testament, the Israelites made sacrifices to pay for their sins. They also made sacrifices to worship God. But Jesus became our final sacrifice for sin. But the call to worship our God, who is merciful, did not end. And it still involves a sacrifice. That's what that's what Paul is telling us. It will now be a living sacrifice. He means living a holy, God-pleasing life. Let's go back to the NIV and, and look at what he says. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He says, this is your true and your proper worship um, now, you could say that living a holy and God-pleasing life is redundant, that, they, uh, that they're saying the same thing, but there's a difference as well as a sameness. To be holy means to be set apart, to, be, uh, to live a life that is set apart for God and His purposes. To be God-pleasing is to live a life that agrees with what God wants. We worship God by using our lives in service to God, and that's being a sacrifice. One scholar writes this, the sacrifice we're to offer is our bodies, which Paul recalls earlier in Romans chapter 6 when he says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin, but rather offer yourselves to God as instruments of righteousness. God's mercy resulted in us being bought out of, out of the slave market of sin and being adopted into the household of righteousness, becoming part of God's family. Therefore, our bodies are to become living sacrifices as we worship the one who is redeemed, who has redeemed us by his mercy. God is not asking us to dedicate our spiritual gifts, our talents, our abilities, our money. He's asking us to dedicate our lives to him. 
all of who we are. I've told you the story about when I became a Christian, some things just immediately began to, to fall away from my life. And one of those things was uh, I... I swore a lot. I, I used swear words a lot. It was just part of my vocabulary. And some people may have said, well, Clark, you stopped doing that because uh, you wanted to be good and, and not bad. And I would tell you, no, that's not the reason I wanted to do that. You know, it became, it became an incongruent system of conversation. I, I, I couldn't swear at one moment and then tell God I loved him in the next moment. I, there was an incongruency. The, the two things didn't connect. Uh, they, they didn't go together. And, and so uh, I would feel the conviction of God when I used swear words. And so they just, they just began to fall away. It, it wasn't about me being good for goodness sake. It, it was about trying to live a life of worship to be holy, set apart, to be God-pleasing, doing the things that are God-glorifying. It wasn't about a list of rules to do. It was about being in a relationship. Have you ever sacrificed something for a relationship with somebody else? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you've done that. Not because they required it, but because you wanted to, because you saw that it was something that you were willing to do, willing to offer, willing to sacrifice for God, for that, for that relationship with that person. And so the same is true about our relationship with God. We seek to live a sacrificial life because we want to honor God. We want to be holy. We want to please Him out of a relationship. You know, the reality is this. A lot of people want to try and say, well, being a Christian is about following a bunch of rules. It's about don't do this, do that. You can turn Christianity into a religion of rules. You can very easily. Uh, you can say these are the things that we can't do and these are the things that we can do. And you can make it that way, and you can keep score that way. And uh, that, honestly, will drive you crazy. But the reality is this, is, is God doesn't want you to have a religion. God wants you to have a relationship with him. And in that relationship, it wants it to, he wants it to be a relationship where, where you love him and honor him. Why? Because you understand that he's been merciful to you. And that he will continue to be merciful to you. And he wants to know you and for you to know him. He wants that to be a relationship of love and, and mutual uh, concern for God and him for you. He wants it to be a relationship where you, as a human being, as a creation on this earth, get to know the creator of the universe. And so when that happens... Yeah, some things are going to fall away easily. You know, swearing fell away easily for me because I saw the incongruency of it. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to recognize that he's calling us to live a life that's honoring to him out of a relationship with him. You, you know, uh, I think about it this way. You know, uh, if there's something that you wouldn't do in front of your mother... All right, you probably shouldn't be doing it at all. 
So uh, you think about that when it, when it comes to, am I living a God-honoring life? Am I being holy? Am I being God-pleasing in what I do? The reality is, is, is that God wants us to live in a relationship with him. And that relationship is going to grow as we learn more and more about what it means to be holy and to be a God-pleasing person. Here's the, the next thing, that, the, the third thing that Paul says, and he says, worship is doing God's will. Worship is doing God's will. That's what Paul writes in Romans 12, the, the second verse. And, and I love the different way that different translations of the Bible uh, put this into words. So uh, I'm going to read them. First, I'm going to start off with the NIV. And it's just the first phrase in, in verse 2. Paul writes, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In the New Living Translation, it says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And J.B. Phillips, a British scholar from, uh, uh, from some time ago, translates it this way. He says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within. Doing God's will, it's, it's the idea of letting God transform our minds and our wills to be like His. So let me read the, the entire verse from the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's what happened in my life when I decided to follow Jesus, when I said, Jesus, I believe that, that you came to earth and that you, uh, you died on a cross to pay for my sins, but you didn't stay dead. You defeated the power of sin and death. You were raised back to life. And I said to him, I, I believe in you and I want to follow you. And when I did that, I began to understand that, that part of God's will for me wasn't being lived out in my life. And again, it wasn't about do's and don'ts. It wasn't about rules and regulations. It was about a relationship. Worship. Worshiping God. It's about living out of a relationship with God. It's about doing God's will. Not, uh, not to be good, not to do the do's and not the don'ts, but it's about being in relationship with us. God's will is first this, that we believe in him and his son, Jesus Christ, that we accept him as our Lord and our Savior, that, that we begin to follow him. And as we follow Jesus, as we seek to be Christians, taking on the name of Jesus Christ, then we begin to want to live out the will that God has for us in our lives, to live a God-honoring lives. And, and what does that look like? Well, Jesus and Paul uh, give us some general rules of thumb about what it means to live out God's word. In Matthew 25, uh, Jesus tells us that uh, whatever we do for the least person, we do it for him. He, he basically says how we live in relationship on this earth with other human beings we're doing it 
to Jesus. So if, if we are loving and caring toward other people, we're doing that to Jesus. If we're mean and hateful to other people, think that one through. You're doing it to Jesus. If, if you are uh, kind and considerate, if you care for people, if you go the extra mile for them, not only are you doing God's will, you're, you're serving Jesus and doing that. But if you're uh, not kind and considered, if you're stingy and uh, you withhold uh, from others uh, the kind of love and care and support that, uh, that you've experienced from God, you're doing that same for Jesus. The, the Apostle Paul says these words. Uh, he says that uh, we should do whatever we do. We should work at it with all our heart as working for the Lord. Think that one through. When you go to work tomorrow morning, you're not working for your boss. You're working for the Lord. Whatever your job is, you want to do it in such a way that God is honored and glorified. Do you see how living our lives is an act of worship? You know, you want to do the best job you can at that job, whether you love it or not, because it doesn't matter about your relationship with your employer, but it matters about your relationship with God. Now, how you treat your employer also is a reflection of how you treat God. We want to recognize that. When you go to school tomorrow, tomorrow's a holiday. When you go to school on Tuesday, (laughs) how you treat your fellow students, how you treat your teachers, it's a reflection on, are you worshiping God? Whether, whether that's uh, at public school, private school, or home school, how you react, how you live in that relationship is a reflection on, are you worshiping God? In the book of Corinthians, Paul says this, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You want to know how to do the, the will of God? Ask yourself, am I doing what I'm doing today for the glory of God? Would God find this glorifying or not? We're called to worship God. And and as I've tried to make clear that worshiping God is not just, uh, you know, the singing and praying in church. It's not just gathering in church. I mean, all of this service is worship because we're giving our time, our attention, our thoughts to God. But, but it's not just confined to this time that we spend on Sunday mornings. It's all of life. It's all that we do. As followers of Jesus, we're called to worship him in the midst of life. That means we, we worship God through the ups and downs of life. That means we, uh, we worship God by living our lives, by doing things and saying things that give worth to God. That we, we, live God, we, we live lives of worship for God and everything. So that means, you know, everywhere you go is your opportunity to worship God. When you go to work, whether you love your job or hate your job, it's your opportunity to work. If your uh, health is great, or if your health is poor, it's still your opportunity to worship God. If you're you're grieving the loss of something or someone dear to you, or you're not, we, we, we still get to worship God in that. You know, the Apostle Paul told us this. He said, he said, uh, that, that followers of Christ are not supposed to grieve like those who have no hope. Yeah, 
when we lose a loved one, we're going to cry. We're going to feel a loss. We're going to hurt. But we have hope, the hope of eternity. You know, as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that, that this life on this earth is not the end. And so we should not grieve like those who have no hope. So in good times and bad times, we have the opportunity to worship God. You know, if you have a relationship struggle, you know, in the midst of that struggle, you can take that relationship struggle to God and pray. And even if it's not going well, it's still your opportunity to say, God, I trust you. I'm going to worship you in that. We have the opportunity to embrace a lifestyle of worship everywhere we go, in everything we do, in every word we speak. And as followers of Jesus Christ who are in a relationship with God, that's supposed to be our mode of operation, all right? And so what that does mean is once we recognize that we may have said something or done something that's not in a God-honoring way, a worshipful way, we need to take a moment to ask God for forgiveness. And if we've offended somebody else, we need to do the hard work of uh, asking for forgiveness and uh, confessing our sin to the person that we have injured in that way. Why? Because we're followers of Jesus Christ. All right? It's about being in that relationship, in that relationship uh, where we worship him. So look, today as we look at this habit of worship, I want us to see that worship is, is uh, all of life. But, but I also want to also just challenge us today about when we gather together as followers of Jesus Christ in a place. This week I was at a conference with our staff and a, and a bunch of leaders. And, and it, was a, it was just a, a powerful time because as we gathered, as, as there was teaching and as we learned about some of the leaders and they shared what was going on in their life, we also had the opportunity to take some time to worship God. And, and it was powerful because, you, you know, People were coming there with all kinds of things going on in their lives. Uh, some of them were on mountaintop highs and some of them were in valley lows. Some of them were struggling with addictions and, and some of them were clean and sober. Uh, some of them were going through good times and some of them were going through bad times. And they just began to engage in worship when we had a worship time. You know, there, there were some folks who were introverted and, and some who were extroverted. There were some people who were demonstrative and raising holy hands, as the Bible talks about in Scripture. And there were some people who were one as demonstrative. There were people, though, that were, were good singers, great singers. And there were people like me who were in the, the joyful noise category. And I feel sorry for the people that were sitting probably in front of me because I was just belting it out. And, uh, you know, they, they were probably going, oh, but, but we were engaged with God. And so, you know, look, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to recognize that when we gather, when we gather in a place to worship God, we get to engage directly with God. And that's powerful because we get to bless God with our worship. And, and by the way, he, he doesn't care how great your voice is or how poor your voice is because he wants you to be in relationship with him. And... He calls us to worship him. But, you know, there, there's, there's something else that happens because while we're giving our worship to God, you know, we're gathered in the midst of other people, other believers or people seeking God. And that blesses other people when we engage. You know, back when I was that teenage boy at church sitting on the back row, um, I'm sure 
you know, we were going blah, 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 blah. You know, Charlie Brown's teacher kind of uh, reading those prayers and singing those songs. But as I've grown in faith and matured, I've realized that God wants me to be engaged. And my engagement with God is going to bless me and it's going to bless him. But my engagement vertically is going to bless those of you around me. We need to engage in worship. So you see, you've noticed the worship teams come back up. We're going we're gonna to close with some worship, and I'm going to challenge you to engage in that worship, okay? I, I'm going to encourage you to look. This is a time for us to say, I'm aligning my heart with God, and now that I'm aligning my heart with God, I, I want that to bless out and pour out over everybody else. I, I want to give myself fully to God. And so as we do that today, I want us to recognize why we sing. So I'm going to invite you to stand up and I'm just going to remind you of the God that we worship. So here's just to set the stage for you to fully engage. And look, this is not an experiment just for today. This is a reminder for us every time we get together with other followers of Jesus and worship. This is why we worship and who we worship. We worship the God who is the rock of ages. We worship the God who is the redeemer of humanity. We, we worship a righteous God. We worship a God who is our deliverer and he's our defense. He is our strength, our shield, our portion. He is our salvation. Our God is the spirit of truth. He is all powerful all-knowing, ever-present. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the teacher, the guide, the comforter. Our God is the Son of God. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the good shepherd, the true vine, the way, the truth, and the life, the light of the world, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah. Our God is the soon-returning conquering King of kings and Lord of lords. That is the God that we worship and that we need to engage in. So let's give him all our worship. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.